Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Bowl TV. My name is Matt Cannizzaro, and you have tuned in for the Inside the OC podcast, our show dedicated entirely to talking about the USBC Open Championships, its competitors, the Bowler's Journal Championships, and uh, just some great, great things in the history of bowling. Uh, joining me on today's show, my co-host is Aaron Smith. Aaron, welcome back once again. Looking forward to today's conversation with a uh, standout in the game, both on the lanes and behind the scenes. He's given us some great memories on the lanes as a performer, and then uh, even in recent years in some of our events as well, and then uh, working hard for the decades uh, behind the scenes in the PBA Southwest region. Absolutely, Matt. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Pete McCordick's going to be our guest today. Uh, as you mentioned, all those great things about Pete, definitely looking forward to catch up even in the, in the few minutes before the show, catching up uh, was a great experience, so we're definitely looking to Looking forward to hearing some stories, you know, personally, uh, I don't know how well the folks can see it at home, but over your right shoulder there, you got the Matt Cannizzaro jersey hanging up. I know uh, some, we got some regional stories to share as well about Matt on the lanes, not just covering the action uh, from, from the back. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm going to use this opportunity as a nice service reminder for everybody who bowls the Open Championships. You can see I got a different background today. I did not book my conference room, the Chris Schenkel room, in time. Someone else got it. So just like the Open Championships, be sure to book your book your entries early so you can get those prime time. But we're in the Marion Ladwig room this week, so that's uh, that's cool as well. So a lot of great history behind me and in this room. Uh, but, yes, sign up for the Open Championships early every single year, folks. Day one, get those times done. All right. Well, some great advice there, Mr. Smith. And ironically, uh, the gentleman we're about to talk to uh, made two trips to the Open Championships uh, in recent years when time allows. And, uh, and one of those trips yielded some pretty good results, some prize money and some time in the spotlight. Uh, so let's not waste any more time hearing about what we're up to. Let's bring in the man, PBA Southwest Region Manager, Pete McCordick. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's great, great to be on with you guys. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me. Welcome, and thank you uh, for your time today. Uh, we look forward to it. We did some research, as always, uh, tracked down some some video clips and some photos from over the years, and uh, looking forward to, to hearing some of the stories from your perspective and uh, just about your lifetime in the sport. Uh, we certainly appreciate all that you have done for bowling and going back to your days as a competitor on the PBA Tour starting in the 1970s uh, and then uh, as the Southwest region manager uh, from the late 1990s uh, until now. Um, and I've gotten to uh, spend time with you in, in various regards, whether it be on the lanes uh, as a competitor myself uh, or due to your success uh, at our events, the Open Championships, Bowler's Journal Championships, uh, Super Senior Classic, you name it, you've done it, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, but first, let's catch up. Let's hear what's going on in your world. Uh, you're in the Houston area, so you guys have had to deal with uh, in recent years, uh, hurricanes and flooding, and, uh, and now COVID nineteen, and hot, you know Houston being a, a bit of a hot spot for that. Uh, it's crazy times for sure. But uh, what does that mean for you and the family? And and then we'll talk about 
what it means for your role in the PBA as well. Well, it has, uh, you know, everyone says 2020 is quite the year and it, and it really has been in a lot of aspects. <clears throat> I was originally furloughed earlier this year for about six weeks. And then as, uh, since all the bowling centers were closed, it wasn't very viable to have any tournaments. Um, so the, I was furloughed. They brought us back. We started scheduling tournaments uh, a week after being brought back. I came down with COVID, but it was probably one of the very mildest cases that you could have. Um, <clears throat> you know, I never had a headache or a sore throat. I did have some fever and body aches, but lasted about five or six days. And, and then I started feeling better, got the negative test back and, and went back to work. So um, just saying that my wife's been healthy the whole time. She didn't catch it. So that part was good. So we're uh, past that part. Hopefully now um, I'm in the part of Houston that had been hit by any of the floods or anything over the last few years. So that part's good. And uh, it was just once we started having the tournaments again in the PBA, we've actually been pretty busy. Our tournaments have actually been well. They, every tournament has had higher entries than it did the previous year. So that part's been good too. And uh, just looking forward to getting past this year and, and going on to bigger and better years. Well, we certainly appreciate all of your hard work again in the, the PBA Southwest region. Uh, and uh, just to give the folks at home uh, just some background, uh, Pete McCordick, uh, his PBA tour career, again, going back to the 1970s, had success throughout the 1980s, and then called it a day in 1992-ish. Uh, we'll hear some more about that, the reasons why, and the path that he took in the sport. Uh, but along the way, two PBA Tour titles uh, in 1988 and a very memorable performance in 1987. We'll definitely talk more about that, and we have a video to go along with that too. Uh, Pete McCordick uh, is uh, the twin brother of Paul McCordick. How about that? So. Um, one left-handed, one right-handed, pretty unique in that regard. Uh, some pretty famous twins in the state of Texas. Uh, we've got the Scroggins brothers and then Anthony and Sean Lavery Spar as well. Uh, those guys, uh, either both right-handed or both left-handed, uh, but Pete and Paul, a little bit different. Uh, Pete, tell us about that. I'm always kind of curious about the relationships there. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the brothers are either inseparable uh, and able to, to do everything, travel, compete, help each other out, uh, or – just maybe don't get along at all, and it's all just pure competition. But uh, you guys are now nearing 67 years of age, so you've had some time to, to get used to each other. Uh, tell us about that relationship and uh, maybe either how cool or how frustrating it might have been uh, having uh, somebody right there to push you along the way. Uh, uh, no complaints. Uh, I don't have any other brothers or sisters, so uh, it was just my brother and I growing up, and we've always been very close. Um you know, he is left-handed. I'm right-handed. It's called mirror image twins, identical twins called mirror image. Um, it, it, so it's not really rare. Uh, I'm glad I'm the right-handed one. So <laughs> uh, I do have sympathy and understand the plights of left-handers uh, because of him. Um, I just, uh, you know, everyone thinks the left side is easier and all that. Well, it's not always that way. And, and, you never get credit for bowling good if you're left-handed. You know, if you if you win a tournament, it's because uh, the left-handers had the shots. So even if you bowl good and you're the only left-hander in the finals and and you win, they'll just say, "Well, you never had to move your feet. No one was on your side." So it's a it's tough for for left-handers, and I do understand their plight. Um, 
I still whine about him a lot, but you know, that's, that's just because of my brother too, but no, we're close. We're still close. Um, I go practice with my brother, uh, at least once a week, whenever I can, uh, if the tournaments don't get in the way. So we still practice together. Uh, he helps me some, I help him, uh, try to help him a lot, but I don't. I think uh, my my coaching him hasn't really helped as much as as he would have liked. So he's he's he says he's struggling now, but once he starts competing again, he'll be okay. But we started bowling uh, USBCs together in '73 was our first year. Uh, Don Ellis Senior, uh, who bowled with Bill Lillard, came into a pro shop we were working at and asked if we would bowl on their USBC team. And we're like 18 years old at the time. We're going. Sure, why not? You know, so we went and bowled our first USBC tournament, seventy-three in Syracuse, and uh, back back in those days, the scores weren't very high. Uh, my brother and I actually finished second in the doubles that year. Uh, it, it was like thirteen oh nine or thirteen fifteen, something like that. Uh, so we finished second in our very first tournament. Uh, that sounds good, except. The, the doubles team that won it was uh, our, the, the fifth players from uh, our companion team and our team, Jimmy Payne and, and Jamie Brooks, won it that year, and they were on our squad. So uh, we, did, we were just second best on our squad still. But that was, that was a great, great start, and I've tried to bowl the USBCs every year since. I've, my brother has bowled every USBC since. A couple of years when I was on tour – um, I couldn't bowl in the regular division because of the rules at that time. And I might've dropped off the tour for a while. So I didn't go bowl the masters. So I, I'm like three tournaments behind my brother. And when they introduce us in the squad meetings now, <clears throat> and they, he has three more tournaments than I do. I just say that's because he's my older brother. He's, he's not, <laughs> but yeah, I just say, you know, he, he, of course he says he looks older cause he's had a tougher life, but I told him he's never had to strike in the tent to uh, cash or make the finals when he didn't have enough money to get to the next tournament. So I don't know who really had the harder life. Well, you, uh, you just hit all the points. You basically just did a quick rundown of uh, my entire <laughs> word document of all the things that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, I've got more. Uh, it's okay. Uh, perfect. We'll, uh, we'll dive into each a little bit. Um, you know, we'll talk about your, your memorable debut at the Open Championships, of course, coming together uh, in 73. You mentioned some pretty special names along the way there, too. So we'll talk about your teammates uh, over the years and some of the crazy and amazing moments you've been able to be a part of and witness, too. Um, but uh, let's take it all the way back to the 1970s. We'll, we'll start with your, your PBA career, of course. Uh, the OC thing is getting underway there in 73. Uh, and so your tour career, uh, not starting too much after that. Uh, but uh, it wasn't smooth sailing right away, oh. I believe. And uh, there was even a, a moment of, of leaving the tour oh, yeah. to, uh, to, to get a real job for a minute. So uh, tell us about that. And then we'll cruise into the 1980s. And, uh, and then, you know, with the moment you said – having to, to step up in the 10th and, and win a title or whatever, there's a, there's an even bigger moment uh, yeah. that, uh, that you manned up for. So, uh, but first tell us about the start uh, to the career and what the seventies was like for you. Uh, sure. Um, well, partly maybe because of some of the success we had in Syracuse, um, my brother and I both had uh, a guy came into the same pro shop and, and wanted to know if my brother and I wanted to go out on tour for the summer of 73. And, I mean, we're 18, 19 years old at the time, and, and we're thinking, well, of course, you know. So 
we took off. Uh, we traveled together. We drove to the West Coast to start the PBA summer tour in California. Um, my brother uh, had uh, quite a bit more success than I did. I, th I think I got my first check in Fresno, which was probably like the fifth tournament. And I didn't cash again until for another seven or eight tournaments. So you just don't realize how good those guys are until you get out there. And uh, I realized that I wasn't quite ready yet, but I, I kept trying to learn. Uh, the other weird thing about going out in 73 was that was also the year of the soaker. So not only are we trying just to learn how to bowl on the PBA tour, travel around, things like that. Now we had to worry about how long to soak our bowling balls without blowing up the motel rooms and things like that. So uh, it was an interesting start to the PBA. Um, I did bowl the winter tour of 74. Um, and I think I bowled a lot, uh, quite a bit in that year. It was either during the winter of 74, or the winter tour of 75. I just said, I'm not ready for this. Uh, it's pretty frustrating watching it just getting beat every week. So I, I ended up quitting the tour in 75. My brother who had won the, uh, uh, All-American Youth Bowl Scholarship, or I think or whatever it was called at the time, National Scholarship. He got a $1,000 scholarship in Washington, D.C. for that. And back in those days, uh, well, it, he went to University of Houston, so he never bowled a fall tour. He, he did bowl some of the winter tour and the summer tour for a few years. Um, and he went to school uh, in the fall and the spring, and he said that $1,000 scholarship got him into – uh, the second part of his junior year, of course, living at home and things like that. So, so it helped him a lot to get through school. That's probably my biggest regret is that I uh, didn't finish my college. I went to U of H for, for a while, but I decided I'd try and go make my millions on tour. And I've fallen a couple million short of what that is. So, uh, but I, I've got no complaints. Um, I did quit the tour in 75 for about a year and a half. Uh, worked in a bowling center, uh, management, assistant management, things like that. It was one of the toughest centers in the Houston area. I think I averaged 186 for the year that I worked there in the league, and it was a high average in the house. So, uh, you know, judging on that, I, I, I ended up resigning from that position, not knowing what I was going to do. Um, but in the summer, back in the 70s, you could, you, a lot of people could make money bowling summer that you had uh, sweepers and calcuttas four or five nights a week you had all kinds of action going on butch gearhart who was from houston or lived in houston at the time multi-time titleist on the pba's tour he stayed at home in houston for the um, just to bowl all the action around houston in the summertime he said he could make more money doing that so so i started bowling around houston again just that summer and i ended up making enough money to go back out on tour so i went back out in the fall tour of 76 and uh, I stayed out there from uh, pretty much from that full time from uh, that time through 93, 94, something like that. So um, had a lot of tournaments, a lot of good times. Uh, before we talk about some of those good times, tell us again about this uh, this magical pro shop of opportunity in Houston where you can just hang out and superstars come in, they ask you to bowl, they offer you money to go on tour because uh, I have, I have some free time on the weekend. If I need to hang out there, uh, well, just, well, just let me know if it's still in business. Uh, no, un unfortunately, those those people that came in and asked uh, us to bowl with them, uh, they never bought any equipment. So we uh, the, the pro shop didn't do very well, and we didn't uh, – 
it was actually ahead of its time. My dad had this idea of putting a one lane uh, into a warehouse, mini warehouse or a warehouse type thing, regulation lane, um, make it a pro shop, give lessons. We had a videotape recorder. And again, this is back in the early 70s. Um, so we did have some people coming in and doing that, but uh, it really wasn't uh, the total success that it could have been. And um, obviously my dad, my brother and I pretty much ran the place and uh, with help from my parents. But when we had the chance to go on tour, uh, he understood. And, and obviously it's, it, it's not like we were making tons of money there. So uh, that part closed down and we went on tour. So yeah, it was our own pro shop. And, and like I said, not enough people had lessons or bought bowling balls. So uh, it was an easy decision to make. So, Aaron, you've been around the Open Championships enough over the last decade. Uh, imagine the kind of success Bill Lillard and, and Don Ellis and, and Jamie Brooks would have had had they bought some equipment and got some tips uh, at the pro shop, right? No, their own personal lane to practice down as well. Good bull walk. No, they never came to us for lessons, but just bowling with them was um, – uh, especially Don. Don Don was always willing to help. And that first year of bowling with them uh, was in Syracuse, home of Marty Pirano. And uh, the Marty and Bill and, and were very good friends, it seemed like. And we, in fact, when we were up there for the championships, I'm, geez, I hadn't thought about this in, in ages, but we went to uh, Marty Pirano's bowling center at the time and to practice there for the championships. And uh, Don told me I wouldn't play in the lanes, right? And he said, you need to do this, do this. And we're just bowling open play. But the next game I had a 300 game. So it was, it was kind of a, amazing to do that. And, uh, you know, Don, Don is very knowledgeable about the game. It's just a very fundamental type game. And, and that's what my game was so or is. So um, he, he could always help too. Yeah. Uh, we, we've enjoyed the opportunity to spend a, a lot of time with many of those gentlemen over the years, watching them reach milestones at the Open Championships, whether it be uh, longevity or pinfall. Uh, so looking forward to, to hearing your take on some of those. Uh, before we get to the OC and, and where we actually talked for the first time was in 2006 at the Open Championships. But uh, we're going to go back a couple of decades first, uh, and we'll talk about your, your PBA career again. Uh, for a lot of folks, uh, many know you as – as Pete, the, the Southwest region guy, others who follow you uh, on bowl.com and some of your success at our events. Uh, but a lot of people know you uh, as the guy who bowled 300 on TV, and, and that was brought back around in Bowler's Journal recently uh, and celebrated also one of the, the top five moments in the first 60 years of the PBA. Uh, but you bowled a televised 300 game in 1987 uh, in Los Angeles. Again, to that point, as you said, uh, success was a little bit harder to come by over the years, uh, and then this was kind of a, a breakout for you. Uh, maybe after some close calls, uh, it finally happened. Uh, you mentioned stepping up and throwing the big shot. Uh, this is the uh, the fourth of 28 televised 300 games, I believe. Uh, but, man, let's hear about it. You're on the approach, uh, and knowing what's on the line, I'm sure, this is something that was talked about. But for $100,000, uh, you got the 10th one, you got the 11th one, and now one shot. For a hundred grand, even now, a hundred grand is a lot of money. Uh, but uh, in 1987, pretty significant payday. So uh, just tell us about that moment uh, and getting up there and how you felt, and if you remember, if if you thought anything at the time, and then uh, and then what happened afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it still. Uh, 
just a, a little background on, on the whole game. It, I was either fourth or fifth qualifier. I don't remember which. And I was bowling against Wayne Webb. And you, you would have at least 30 minutes practice on the TV pair before the show would actually start. Um, so we were down there and you got five guys, 30 minutes is really a long time. And then back then the lights were really hot and I'm sweating and all that. And I had a decent reaction on the right lane in practice, but I really didn't have a very good look on the left lane at all. Um, and like five minutes before airtime, I, I just said, I got to go up to the paddock and try something. So I went up to the, the paddock area, the locker room, grabbed the ball out of the bag, um, took it back down, threw it on the left lane at struck in practice, threw it on the right lane, didn't react good. Goose, Harry Golden, our tournament director, said, all right, Pete, that's it. No more practice. So I really didn't know what to do. I said, well, I'll start the left lane with one ball in the right and throw the other ball in the right lane. And uh, so that's how we got started. And I, uh, you know, it, it just took it. My TV record was horrible at the time. Um, I'd, I'd made quite a few shows, but very little, very few wins, if any, just in matches, much less tournaments. Um, I'm bowling Wayne Webb and, you know, I start with uh, double turkey. I, I think I tripped a four pin in the fourth or fifth frame. Um, everything else was pretty good. Um, Wayne is striking too. I mean, I think he left a, a spare early in the game. And even though I've got um, even a, a, the eighth frame, I remember striking and, and just probably wasn't a pure shot. And just remember thinking, well, I got a good enough shot to shoot 300 here. Um, I just had that. And then uh, Wayne Webb missed in the ninth frame. And when he missed, I knew even if I opened in the 10th, by now I had the front nine. So even if I opened in the 10th, I shot 270, 260 and was going to beat him. So that's when it hit me that I had the chance uh, for this. And it's this is an 87. There hadn't been a 300 game since 1974, Jim Stefanich. And Larry Lichstein is, is in the uh, settee area. And from, from like the eighth frame, he just – Pete, you can do it. You can do it, Pete. Just constantly reinforcing this. Uh, I remember that. So I get up in the 10th. Obviously, I'm nervous. I was always nervous bowling on TV anyway. Um, not this nervous, but I, I just kind of relay it to that's why you do this. That's why you practice your, your 20, 30, 40 games, hot summer days, sweat dripping off you, and you still got to make shots. So my whole focus when I get in those situations, get the push away step right and hit your target. I mean, you, you can't try and do too much. Um, obviously, you're in that position because you're you're somewhat in the zone where you're bowling good anyway. So just if you get the push away step right, keep your eye on your target, just let it go. And uh, the tenth shot, <clears throat> I threw pure. It was perfect. The 11th shot, I thought I lost it a little bit. In fact, Bo even said that if you ever watch the show, the 11th shot, I uh, lost a little bit, but it reacted and, and it struck. I mean, it was online. I just felt like I lost a little bit. Then the 12th shot, my goodness, uh, people still say how much I was shaking. And I, they <laughs> said, you know how much you were shaking? I said, yeah, I was there. You know, I didn't know exactly how much I was shaking. But it was the same thing. I just uh, – just, Thought, get the push away step right and go, you know. Um, and uh, I, when I first threw it, I thought it was through the nose, you know. And uh, 
fortunately, it, uh, the good Lord stuck his hand down and, and held it in the pocket and all the pins went down and uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So uh, I remember John Jowdy being one of the first ones out there to uh, congratulate me. Uh, my wife at the time, she was there. So she saw that, um, you know, it, the everyone, it, it but the, the thing that got, so that was, that was great. The next game um, I got started, I think I left four pin in the first frame or something. I, I missed the spare, like the sixth or seventh frame. And uh, I'm thinking, geez, I got $5,500 for fourth place, 100,000 for the win. I've got to win three more matches to get $12,000. Let's go, let's go celebrate, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so I still tried and all that, but they the motivation for, uh, that second game was 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 kind of not there. And Matt Carlson bowled a great game and went on to win the tournament. Um, the first, I think, at the time, the first international player to, to win or somebody from Europe to to win on the PGA Tour. So it was almost uh, that that I kind of overshadowed that. Uh, but you know, that was by far what I thought would be my great day. I had never won on tour before, and so if you hadn't won on tour, people probably think you can't throw strikes when you need to. And I thought maybe that would kind of get that monkey off the back that I had the most money won without ever having won a tournament. But all that did was give me more money to show that I had the most money won without ever winning a tournament. So, so it was, uh, it was a great thing. Um, and then as I'm going to go ahead and go to 88 now, um, <clears throat> as great as that was, I, I think I made, four shows the next four shows i made that year i shot 240s every game and lost every game so uh or maybe the next four i don't know if it was all in that year uh so i bowled well that year on tv or the, for a while on tv i still just didn't win too many too many games and then in fresno in 88 <clears throat> i led the tournament and uh was bowling Tucky Perez for the title and I split in the second frame and I, I was really upset second or third frame. I was really upset with myself. I just said, you're better than this. And I ended up uh, striking out after that for two fifty game to win. And I had to strike in the 10th um, to shut out Tucky. So, so that was my first win as great as the 300 game was. Uh, there's nothing like winning. So, so striking to win the first PBA title was actually more meaningful to me than the 300, believe it or not. All right. Well, there you go. Another question from the bottom of the list. Uh, we're going to cross <laughs> that one off. What, uh, what was the, the more special moment? But uh, definitely some great insight there. And, of course, you know we're going to take a look at this 300 game. We've got the video queued up uh, so we can relive the moment back in 1987 it was the first perfect game on tv since 1974 uh, and uh bo did point out how much you were shaking i i, I couldn't tell but uh, i imagine uh I, I know how i feel with at an event when you're behind me with the camera uh, i can't imagine being on tv uh in this situation and uh, as you mentioned uh wayne 249 was running 270 up until uh, the right. Night, in the yeah. night game, so definitely a close match. But uh, here is that final shot. Pete McCordick bowling immortality. immortality. Is that is that a, a fight, fight, 
We have it. So the hundred thousand dollar side. The big question is, uh, what did you buy with that hundred grand, or, or how well did you manage that? How long did it last for you? Well, it took a while to get it. Actually, uh, True Value had an insurance policy on it and all that, and True Value had a tournament that I think that the uh, Torrance tournament was like the second or third one of the year, and True Value had one like eleventh or twelfth week, and uh, you know they wanted to give me the check there. And I said, you've already given me one fake check. Can I get the real one? And you give me another fake check there. <laughs> you know, I don't want to wait two months. People are trying to call me, trying to, you know, so, uh, so it, it took a while. Uh, I, I was a little in debt with the IRS when I, when I won that. So it, it was very, very much needed. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it was, it was good. I think a lot of good lessons there too. You talked about it, you know, kind of the mindset going into that last shot and, and just thinking about that, you know, trying to pry the ball off your hand for a hundred thousand dollars, but just focusing on one or two small things. Definitely uh, a good note for all the folks back home who find themselves, you know, maybe not bowling for a hundred thousand dollars, but uh, you know, going up for that first 300 first 800 needing that strike. That's definitely a, a good tip for the folks to take, uh, take home with them too. Yeah. It's just basics. I mean, like I said, that's why you practice. That's why you get there and, and, uh, you know, just stick to what you, what you work for and what you work at and go for it. So an amazing moment there. You already mentioned, uh, winning on the tour in 1988, which you did twice within a couple of months. Uh, and then it kind of calmed down for you, I guess, after that, it maybe, or wound down, uh, and then we get into the 1990s and, and then, uh, it was time to, to say goodbye again. Uh, tell us about the highs that you felt in 1988 and uh, and kind of what happened after that to, to get you where you, you ended up. Uh, sure. 88 was, was really a good year. I won those two tournaments. Um, you know, and, and then after that, it, you know, I, I think in, in one of the articles, I, if it was I think it might have been Bowler's Journal. Somebody asked me about my career, and I just said consistently mediocre. And that's kind of how it was for a few years. Um, you know, as uh, my kids were getting older, um, you know, we were on the road 35 weeks a year. Even though I was having some success, it, it's not like I was uh, making a, a whole ton of money after um, 87 and 88. Um, and, I, and then I, I hit a slump. I hit kind of a bad period and uh, where I was struggling on the lanes a little bit. Uh, whether personal problems or just uh, not adjusting to the lanes, right? I was struggling. And, you know, when you're sitting in the settee area, wondering what job would be worse than trying to do this for a living, it's probably time to uh, look for another avenue. So, so in the, in the early nineties, I don't remember exactly what year it was, uh, 92, 93, I decided to, uh, to try other avenues. Um, so, but yeah, it was, uh, like I said, just, just a bunch of things happening at the same time. Um, and it was just time. It was just time to quit. The PBA was, was hit its struggles. They lost, uh, the ABC rights money contract. And, um, you know, so the prize funds were going to be, uh, 
a little bit tighter than what they were. Entry fees were going to be higher, and it was hard enough to make a living then. So just uh, just a whole bunch of things, like I mentioned, my kids and everything. So it was just time. It was just time to, to do something else. All right, then right around the corner for you, around 1997, an opportunity to stay in the sport uh, and serve it uh, with the PBA. Tell us about that opportunity, how it came about. Uh, I remember reading you're you're pretty excited to to be able to to have a role uh, in in the PBA like you did to stay close to it uh, even if you weren't competing. But uh, tell us about that opportunity and obviously one that was pretty special to you because you're still doing it all these years yeah. later. Yeah, uh, what well, like you said, it was in '96 uh, that Cecil Cadell, who had had the the job since they started the regional program, practically uh, was retiring. So. Uh, I had started selling real estate. I was, I was doing real estate when I quit the tour, uh, did that. And I was having some success in it, but I, I just didn't enjoy it. And I just didn't think that was the right thing for me. Um, so when, it, when I heard Cecil was retiring, I went ahead and sent my resume in to PBA, um, you know, and, and expressed interest in it and uh, just kept going on. I didn't hear anything back. And then I went to to bowl league one night and the guy said, Hey, did you hear that? They just called three guys to, to be interviewed for Cecil's position. I said, you're kidding, right? You're kidding. So I immediately Monday morning, I called and uh, just said, Hey, this is Pete McCordick. I just wanted to make sure that you, you got my resume. And uh, I think it was Bobby Dinkins said, uh, he says, you know, Pete, I think we did hang on. And then uh, he said, let's call you back. So, uh, Mark Gerbrick gave me a call a few hours later and said, uh, you and I need to meet and talk. And uh, so I flew up to Akron and, and talked to Mark and uh, he, he told me that I had the position. So I was very grateful. And uh, I think two or three of the other guys might have been a little upset that, <laughs> that I got it. But um, so I did end up getting the position as Southwest Region Tournament Director uh, regional manager, regional director, whatever the title is at the time. And, uh, I've been doing that for 23 years and being at the tournaments is the best part of the job. I get to see so many great players. Um, I try to learn a little bit about it, but man, those, these guys are good now. So, uh, it's, it's just a pleasure to watch and it's, and it's kind of exciting to see, um, you almost want to feel that bowling is probably on the upswing again. Like I said, the, the entries in my tournaments are up. Um, it seems like a lot of people miss bowling through this year. So maybe there's uh, a silver lining in all this stuff. Now, Pete, you mentioned 23 years of getting to watch, you know, some of the best up and coming bowlers in the Southwest. And something I, I noticed quickly when I moved here was just the amount of talent in this, in, just in this area alone, uh, you know, through those 23 years who, you know, and if you want to say Matt Canizaro, you can, but uh, you know, who are some of the like f favorite players you just got to watch kind of develop over the years uh, <laughs> and, you know, obviously go on to bigger and better things on the tour, but uh, who are some of your favorites to watch, uh, you know, just to see their progress come up through the ranks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of funny. Uh, and again, this is behind Matt. So uh, other than Matt, I'll I'll just go ahead and mention guys like uh, Chris Barnes. Chris Barnes won one of his first regional events, I believe, it was in El Paso. Um, and to make matters really worse, now he's a senior. You know, uh, he's on the senior tour, and back then he's a twenty-something-year-old guy. So I'm. 
really felt old when that happened, when uh, I uh, found out he was eligible for the senior tour. But just watching Chris, um, you know, Wes Malott's another one. I remember Wes just starting bowling regionals before he went out on tour and had so much success. Um, you know, the, and it's just, it's amazing the the talent that's always been in our region. I mean, if you go back to Del Ballard and, and uh, just all the guys there and Anthony Simonson, when Anthony, first time you see Anthony, you just, Simonson, uh, he was probably only 17, 18 at the time. And you watch him, you just knew he was going to be good too. So um, it's it's just really been great watching all these young guys grow into it and grow into such such success uh, on the national tour. The, the, those are the three that, that pop up right now, and I'm sure there's 20 others that, uh, that I've enjoyed watching and, and get better. Um, cause I've always said that the only way to get better is to bowl these regional events, bowl on tougher patterns. Um, you don't get to do that in, in many house shots or, or a, you can't do it on just on house shots. And most leagues are on house shots, except for maybe a uh, summer 12 week league that might be uh, on a sports shot, but you know, to get better, you have to bowl against the best and you have to do it on shots that aren't house shots. So. Um, it's, it's great to watch guys dedicated to, to try and do that, maybe struggle a little bit and then have a lot of success. So, uh, that's a rewarding part of watching, of getting to watch what I get to do. It's a pretty elite company there, Matt. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you see, Aaron, I, I felt the same way in uh, 2006. I got to watch Pete and Paul McCordick come out and, and make some magic happen at the open championships. That was early in my career there as well. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be talking to these guys way down the road i think they're going to be successful for a long time to come and uh absolutely was correct so now we'll shift gears pete uh as you left the pba tour uh, that meant that while your tour career had ended uh, your open championships career uh, was about to begin once again you mentioned already 1973 uh, and how special it was to have that debut you got to bowl with your brother the runner-up finish so i'm sure some motivation there uh, you got to watch the eagle happen uh, with uh, your, your teammates there and again surrounding yourself with some of the best our event has ever seen uh, so the motivation of being so close uh, and then being able to follow in their footsteps and, and learn from them had to be pretty pretty awesome I would think and then to finally get the chance to be back on the OC stage uh, a couple decades later uh, 2006 you guys made a run at doubles once again uh, 30 years into your OC career so uh, all that experience uh, playing out there and, and ended up, I think, 20th that year. But we had the opportunity to, to have a conversation and interview and take a photo. Uh, but tell us about being back at the OC, being reunited with, with Paul and your teammates and, and what that event uh, has meant to you. And then we'll talk about uh, the recent success you've had. Sure. Um, <clears throat> well, there are advantages to bowling early at the championships, you know. So, like, <laughs> like you say, we ended up 20th. But it, uh, when you bowl in the first month uh, and, and you post a good score, I mean, it was a good score. It's just we didn't expect it to hold up. But it, it's, it's always fun to get your name up there on that board, even in second place or especially in second place. So, uh, you know, for years when I was on tour, I, I couldn't bowl the USBCs or the ABCs, as we called it back then, with my brother. But my brother bowled on a lot of good teams, and he had a lot of uh, success there. I don't know what his high finish was, but I know he had some decent finishes there. Um, so just to bowl with him, I mean, every year that we've been eligible to bowl together, we have bowled together at the USBCs. Um, so that's always special. I mean, we're up there now, but 
you know, hey, uh, you know, under right conditions, we we could surprise some people. So you never know about that. So that was good. Um, I, I look forward to the USBCs every year. You know, I, uh, especially. Uh, you know, you, you think about what's gone on. I mean, I first started with Bill Lillard and Don Ellis and then uh, Bold on Tour for a while. They had their classic division for a while. Um, one year in the classic division team event, we made the cut, and then we were leading it going into the last game. And I think we ended up second in the classic division. Uh, but the thing I remember about that, I think, we, as I said, we were leading it going to the last game. And, and through the fifth frame, we had no strikes. We had 50 spares, <laughs> so obviously we uh, didn't win. But, uh, you know, it, it, I remember thinking that and thinking, wow, this is a, kind of a team effort here. We need to get it going. But back, you know, for years, it was the lane conditions were extremely tough. I mean, they're tough now. I'm not saying that, but there are years there. Well, like in Syracuse, what did we have, 13, 10 or something like that? That's within five or 10 pens of it, and we finished second. So, now it's, it's, you know, 14's good 1400 to win. So, um, you know, a lot of that may be equipment and pens and stuff like that, but it, you know, it, it is definitely, a, a it, scores were tough back, back in the seventies and early eighties. Um, in fact, I think there's a couple of years where I might not even had a 1600 just cause they were tough, but anyway, we look forward to it. Well, I look forward to going with whoever I was born with, but especially with my brother, um, going with Bill Lillard's teams for quite a few years. Um, you know, now I, I bowl the USBCs. My brother's on my team, and, and we get to bowl with my two sons and a, a friend of ours that we bowled with since practically high school, just out of high school, Steve Wright. So it's, um, it, it's just a relationship um, that goes on, you know, between me and that. And bowling with my sons, uh, my oldest son, uh, one time averaged 220 on house shots, and he's had a couple of decent USBCs. My other son averages 200 on house shots, um, you know, so I don't think we'll ever have a chance to win. But we make money every year. We finish in the cash, and uh, we get to spend a lot of quality time together. So it's it's a special, special event for a lot of different reasons. All right. Well, we've got some numbers here, and I'd like to just share some of those. But Aaron, can we see that 1973 photo just one more time uh, while we give a, a rundown here on the career? Uh, I, I didn't want to just gloss over that one because that, that was a phenomenal picture. There it is. And they say yep. you, you haven't succeeded at the OC unless you get your picture taken, uh, and then we'll keep it forever and ever. And there it is. Ironically yeah. enough, I think the way that photo was uh... – was taken there's one of pete and paul and then i think jamie and jim are on the other side because you can actually see uh <laughs> the, the, their hand up there or something yeah <laughs> uh, those wacky pr guys trying to make shortcuts back in the old days i didn't know you uh, could crop photos back then but i guess you can huh yeah, it's so. called scissors <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, but uh, that was the first of 44 appearances on the championship lanes for you, Pete. A career average of 205.3, which is uh, pretty solid. Uh, it puts you uh, right in the mix for the lifetime list uh, for 30 or 40 years now. Uh, Paul is on that list. All of his performances, he's got 47 in, I believe, uh, have been uh, at the OC proper. So uh, he's on that 40-plus list. Uh, and then your Masters ones uh, removed have you just outside the number. But the 205. Uh, for a career is pretty spectacular and 
again, the folks you surrounded yourself with at the Open Championships, John Ellis, Bill Lillard, uh, those guys right around the 200 mark for their entire careers. Uh, and then, uh, wow, the things that you probably got to experience and be a part of with them. Uh, can you tell us about some of those highlights? I mean, we've gotten to share uh, 60 years with both of those gentlemen, 100,000 pins, uh, the all-time pinfall mark. Uh, again, whether you're you're in the spotlight or just on the outside looking in at, at some history like that, uh, that had to be pretty amazing too. Yes, it was. Um, the center that I was bowling junior leagues back in this uh, high school years, uh, Bill Lillard and, and Don Ellis ended up buying the center from a, a gentleman named Fred McGee. And Fred McGee was an older guy. And, and uh, you know, it was just Bill and, and Don ended up buying it with Pete Traybig. And uh, so I, I got to, I, I knew who Bill Lillard was, but I'd never really met him before. And Don had been around bowling in Houston area since I was even younger in junior league. So I'd known Don Ellis, but just uh, Bill was always just very positive. Whenever he came in, Hey Pete, how you doing? You know, very cheerful, always very positive and all that, you know? And, and uh, so it was, uh, but he didn't bowl much there. You know, I, I, I don't know how much he actually bowled until, uh, maybe one league a week or something. I bowled the same league he did it, uh, years later, uh, uh, but he's still the same. He was just always very positive. And and to be um, on on the companion team with Bill uh, when he broke the all time record for the penfall, uh, that was that was just a thrill. I got a little story about that, but it's probably on your list, so I don't want to. Oh, no. So all your stage is yours. Of course, that was back in 2015. Uh, all three of us got to be there for that moment. You, me, Aaron was on the camera. Uh, a moment we'll, uh, we'll never forget, certainly. But, uh, again, from your perspective, being in this uh, tea and being part of the celebration, uh, what yeah. was that day like for you? Well, uh, it, it, it was – in a way, it was, you have to remember that, that Bill by this time was was in his late mid mid eighties, I think, um, something like that, late eighties. He had some leg issues, so it was very hard for him just to get around. So he was taking a one step approach and throwing a plastic ball, and and I'm sure it was a little uh, awkward for him, you know, knowing that he's he's really not competitive, but he what this is what this record meant to him. He just had to he wanted it. And uh, so he was taking a one-step approach with a plastic ball. And, uh, you know, he's barely shooting 100, so, and maybe not even shooting 100. But we knew that he needed 60-something more pins. And uh, my brother and I are bowling doubles and singles on the pair just right of where they're bowling doubles and singles uh, with my two sons. We only had two to four of us on one pair, and every, all the other pairs had six. So we're – we had heard that once he breaks the record, there's going to be presentations and all that. And somebody had said during the presentations, it may be 15, 20 minutes before you get to throw your shot. So we were trying to kind of hurry up to see if we get done with all our games so we wouldn't have to wait this 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, and we were, my brother and I, we were actually bowling pretty well at the time, I think. I don't remember exactly. But once it got down close to uh, where, where Bill was going to break the record, I think we were in the eighth or ninth frame, but uh, he needed six or seven pins, if I remember right. And he threw it and he ripped the rack. I mean, he slashed the five into the seven. Uh, he was down on his knees. He gave it the arm pump. And uh, I expected everyone to start running out because I was on the lane just to the right of him. And no, and it's like, 
where is everybody? So I'm like one of the, you know, I wanted his family to be there and his, and uh, everybody like that. And it's like, no one else realized that he just broke the record. So I just said, Bill, you did it, you know? And <laughs> then by that time, the family had all come on down there, but I didn't want to be the one in the picture and take the, you know, the moment away from all his family. But I was like the first one, it seemed like they realized when he had broken the records. So that was kind of special. I'll keep that to myself though. Yeah. That's it. It was uh, an awesome day. Awesome memories. Awesome to hear um, just what it means to, to each of us, of course. We, we talk a lot about Bill uh, and uh, all of those gentlemen, really, and what they mean to the event. They've, they've all made appearances uh, on our OC Championship Bracket, uh, where we celebrated some of the greatest moments in tournament history. Uh, and, uh, of course, Bill voted by the fans as the, the number one competitor in Open Championships history, rightfully so. Uh, so glad to have shared those moments with him. Uh, and to have you guys there. And then um, beyond that, uh, we didn't get to see Bill compete again. Uh, right. We haven't seen Don Ellis in a few years. Uh, and as you mentioned, things kind of have shifted for you guys in your OC careers as well. And now uh, it's, I mean, it already was about family because you guys, the Houston group was, was a family, uh, but now actual family and, uh, and the OC experience has changed a little bit for you, uh, but the success has continued. So tell us about, the, the post Lillard era uh, for you and the family at the OC, and then we'll get into some specific successes for you uh, on the lanes. Um, yeah. After uh, once, once Bill and them then decided not to go, that was our companion team. So we about three or four years ago, we, we got a different companion team with Mike Austin and some of the guys uh, that we know in the Houston area. Um, like I said, Steve Wright, who was fifth man on Bill's team, he is now fifth man on our team, or you know, our fifth. Uh, he's by not I didn't by fifth. I didn't mean he's the fifth best player by any means. So <laughs> just just a number, uh, you know. But I do. I my son bowled his for my oldest son Patrick bowled his first USBC event. Uh, I think when he was a freshman in college. So he was he was probably nineteen or twenty. I'd have to go back actually he had to sub for me because i had to actually work a tournament or something um the, the on the dates that we had scheduled to bowl um so i wasn't quite able to uh, bowl so he went and sub uh, or took my spot on, on the team with my brother and he's bowled every year since and then uh michael my my other son is like two years younger than than patrick and uh uh, growing up, Patrick, both my sons uh, love sports. Patrick loves all the sports and all that. He just wasn't very good at any of them. You know, he was good in academics. Uh, he was a good bowler. He was, uh, you know, but he loved baseball and all that. He just didn't have much success at it. Michael was just the opposite. Michael didn't do as well in school, but he could do, he was good in every sport. So um, since his older brother, uh, with the only sports that his older brother could beat him in at the time was bowling and golf. Uh, Michael really didn't care much for bowling or golf until, uh, uh, until Patrick graduated and, and uh, they started high school bowling. So Michael started bowling. And like I said, he got, he got up to a 200 average. He bowled for university of Houston. So anyway, he started bowling on our team too. So, uh, so that's how we've got the four of us and, and, uh, and that, so that we've been going together now probably for, seven or eight years, I guess, as, as the four of us with, uh, with different teams. The, the big question is now with the, the PBA regional schedule, uh, you're on the road 20 or 30 weeks a year. 
doing these events, running them all over the, the Southwest. Um, and then you come out and, and you bowl some of the scores we've seen. Uh, so when do you have time to sneak in the practice? Are you there? <laughs> do you set up the office and then you go run the lanes for the week and just knock out five or six hours of practice or, uh, or just that good? Maybe that, you, that there's no need to, to stay sharp. Uh, I know you mentioned practicing with Paul every once in a while, uh, yeah. but uh, your performances might indicate that uh, you practice and, and, and get out there a little more than, uh, than your schedule might indicate. Um, I, I've been kind of fortunate in, in some ways along that. Uh, no, I don't go practice five or six hours at a tournament site uh, that I'm working at. Actually, but I will say if it's close by, if it's a tournament I actually can drive to, um, yeah, I might, might get there 30 minutes, an hour early and throw some shots or maybe get down there during the practice session on one of the lanes and, and throw some shots. Uh, just to try and loosen up. Um, I will say that usually before a major tournament, uh, there, since since I can't bowl any PBA events since I'm an employee of the PBA, the only events I really gear up for are the USBCs, the Senior Masters, Super Senior, and now uh, uh, South Point Senior Shootout stuff. So uh, those are the events that I really try to gear up for. So I try to practice, I try to get ready. Once I turned 60, I realized that these guys are good and I'm getting old and I owe it to myself to try and be in the best shape that I possibly can be. So I started working out more when I was uh, when, about the time I turned 60 and I, I still do it. I still uh, jog or run three, three and a half miles a day, five or six days a week. Um, so I just feel like I have to try and keep myself in as good a shape as I can if I even want to dream of beating these top players. Um, so, and I do start practicing more um, before. Uh, fortunately, the schedule, that's usually why we go early in the USBCs is because my schedule is not as busy then. So I do have time to practice and try and get ready for it. The other thing I do is um, the Donna Connors and Carol Norman uh, have a pro shop here. And Donna gives great lessons on video. Um, and I've known Donna. Well, I don't want, she'd probably be upset if I said how long I'd known her, but it's, it's let's just say at least 40 years. And uh, she knows my game and she'll put me on video and she can usually get me straightened out in 15 or 20 minutes on video. Um, she's just so good at it with, with me on video. So I can get pretty sharp in a relatively short amount of time uh, if I practice and do the things I'm supposed to do. And if I can match up right with the lanes. Uh, so you know, that uh, it's not always just about how you're bowling physically now. It's just the knowledge that you have to you have to have the, the right equipment. We have to play the lanes right, too. That, that's always been part of the game, but it's even more important now. It's just playing the lanes right. Uh, you mentioned the Super Senior Classic, and uh, I think that was our, our next run in uh, outside of PBA competition uh, from 2006. In 2013, we got to celebrate your 60th birthday. Uh, you guys made it within uh, a day of the start of that event, right? You returned 60 Correct. at the super senior classic and uh, had a huge debut. Once again, I think that uh, the <clears> first <throat> event we mentioned Syracuse already first time out super senior classic. Uh, there you are. And you've kind of been in the spotlight, at least with us uh, almost ever since, uh, but tell us about that milestone. You already mentioned a little bit, uh, but that was the inaugural event. So it's like, it was a birthday party for you guys, and it's been every year yeah. since. Uh, just tell us about that event, and then uh, it, it didn't end maybe how you wanted to, but it certainly uh, certainly showed all of us something. Yeah, um, 
like you said, we turned 60 the day before the tournament started. So we were literally the youngest ones there. It had to be. So, or maybe the day that it started. So that was kind of good. Um, you know, we were so grateful for the USBC to have this tournament that, that my brother and I bowled. We both made the top five. Um, I think I beat him. And then uh, it was probably a close match. And he, Pete, I'm sure he left four or five solid sevens and, and somehow just didn't, didn't get the right carry, but because uh, he threw the ball excellent, I think so. Uh, so I got by him. Then Kerry Painter, who's who's been a top bowler in the Vegas area for for years, uh, he beat me. I don't even think it was that close. Um, I don't know the final score, but uh, it would have been a great tournament to win. I, I just always think I, I you know, uh, uh, probably an unrealistic goal would be to someday try and get in the USBC Hall of Fame. And I know I have to win something. I mean, I've got three seconds in USBCs. Uh, I finished second at, the, at that. I, I just feel like I need to. So it's really important for me to try and do something the super senior, maybe the senior masters before I get too old and decrepit and, and something like that. So, but that is a, that is a goal somehow, some way. So. Well, we certainly enjoy seeing you uh, compete out there, Pete. And I, I think one of the interesting things with the Super Senior Classic is kind of seeing how it's grown over the uh, from those first few years up until the, it, the recent run in Vegas, where uh, essentially that event sells out pretty quick right before the start of uh, the Senior Masters. Uh, you, you know, we, we kind of talked about the, young, the younger game coming up and being strong in the regional program. Uh, what's it like seeing all these, uh, you know, 60 plus competitors out there kind of <clears throat> in the same way uh, out there competing, having a good time? uh and just the growth of the event in general sure um you know i wasn't going to say that i think that first super senior event we had what maybe 25 entries or so maybe 30 i don't i don't remember how much it was but so to see from where it has gone like you said from that to a full field um last year and the, i think is a really a unique format for that tournament um I, that's the first time i've gotten the bowl as super senior or maybe the second time. I think I bowled in Green Bay the year it was in Green Bay too. But uh, you know, I, I it's I, I haven't had a chance to bowl as many as I would like because of my work stuff. Um, so this year was really great. I hadn't bowled in it in a couple of years, and to see the the change in it, and and the, still the talent available or the the guys that are so talented at sixty years old. That's what I say. I have to try and keep in shape just to be able to keep up. Um, you know, I was very pleased with how I bowled in the super senior tournament this year and, and ran into uh, Hugh Miller's 289 game and it's tough to beat at 289. So, so I had to settle for third place, but I, I'll take it. That was, that was a great experience. Well, now you, you seem to have been able to find a way to shine uh, in the over 50, over 60 and, and taking advantage uh, of those opportunities at the open championships uh, you're still flirting with 1,900 every year on the lane, so uh, definitely a, a good command over the, the lane conditions out there. And, and anytime you can shoot over 1,800, uh, certainly a, a respectable performance and a, a nice goal for most competitors. Uh, and then alongside the Open Championships, we have the Bowler's Journal Championships. Uh, and we spent a lot of time uh, in the last couple of years uh, running back and forth between the two bowling <laughs> centers because uh, Pete McCordick was in town. Uh, in Las Vegas at South Point, there's a, the bowling center, and then the bowling plaza where we have the open championships. And uh, it's a pretty good walk, uh, especially when they call over and say, Hey, you know, somebody's got the front seven. Can you think you can get over here by, uh, by the time the 300 is done or, or whatever the case. And, and our goal of course is to, to bring the news from both events 
Uh, in 2017, uh, you had the opportunity to, to join us multiple times in Las Vegas and, again, find the spotlight. <coughs> uh, first time out, it was with a 300 game at the Bullers Zone Championships. I know uh, you know we didn't show up with a big check for $100,000, but uh, still probably a, a pretty special accomplishment to, uh, to be on that stage and have 300, which helped you to a nice doubles performance that particular day. Uh, and then you got to come back. But first, tell us about that that 300 and, and the performance, and then how that maybe motivated you in general, and motivated you to make that return trip to uh, to give it another shot down the road. Um, sure. Uh, you talked about how much I need. I do I practice before I get there. Um, I've always thought that the Bowler's Journal was a great place to try and get sharp. So for years we've tried to get there at least i have tried to get there two or three days before the open championships just to bowl on a competitive condition um especially since they now they now that they have the same condition at the bowler's journal that they do for the doubles and singles so um you know that they never play exactly the same but it gives you a good idea of, of what to do so when uh that year when i was there i went down i think i shot 300 one of my first games there um and and I bowled a few other times, you know. That was I think a doubles event, uh, bowling the doubles. Uh, as you can see, that just, that wasn't a pure shot or anything, but uh, I, I knew I had a good reaction there. I wasn't totally happy with how I threw the ball uh, while I was there, and I noticed that the scores really weren't that high. Uh, my wife had to to go out of town to with her with her job. I didn't have any tournaments to run. I had some airline points and and things like that. So I said, you know what? Why don't I just go back and bowl some some more Bowler's Journal? So um, I flew back to to Vegas and and uh, you know uh, bowled uh, and I I think I shot what eight hundred or what did I shoot? You did. You had eight twelve. Eight twelve in your return yeah. trip. You'd already bowled yeah. well at the OC. You had the 300, some some top doubles finishes. Uh, you can bowl with multiple partners at the Bowler's Journal, so right. you had some good finishes there. Uh, yeah. And then 812 to win senior singles, not super senior. That right. came later, so you, yeah. you you beat up on the uh, on the the kind of older guys. Uh, yeah. and shot 812. Uh, that's a that was a solid solid score and uh, a terrific performance. I I got to tell you, Matt, that was exciting to me. I I really. Uh, I can't tell you what that meant at the time. Just shoot 800 at the Bowler's Journal, win the senior division. Um, I mean, I haven't had that many 800s in my life. I mean, I've had some on house shots and all that, but but to do it at the Bowler's Journal really meant a lot, especially I think Bo Gergen was leading it with 760-something before that. So, uh, and, and that was like the last week. Uh, on, the, on the down note of that, right after that, Ron Moore walked in. And I'm, I'm still a little jittery and pumped and excited about shooting the 800. And uh, Ron Moore walks in. I said, you know, I need to bowl with Ron Moore in doubles. You know? So so we bowled. And I think I dumped him. Only that, uh, I shot like 620 or 630, and he, he shot a pretty good 700. So we had a good finish. But um, I, I didn't bowl as well in the doubles. But it, it, it was just too much adrenaline. I should have taken a squad off or something. But it uh, – you know, so I will run a dinner or something probably. So you, but, you, you, know. run, uh, <laughs> you guys should knock out some push, some push-ups. You know, kind of work out yeah. the until get everything uh, settled down for that block. But uh, <laughs> yeah. quite, uh, yeah. quite a gentleman out there in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So, Pete, you came back in 2018, uh, and they have some very nice trophies at the Bowler's Journal Championships <laughs> now, uh, and we had one for you. But because we were off-site uh, in a different facility, we were not there to get a picture, uh, and it turned out that uh, the trophy broke for you. Uh, so, of course, uh, no doubt, I'm sure I made a smart-ass comment to you about your trophy and said, you know what? Just win again. How about that? You got that trophy. Take that one home. Win again. And uh, and then 2019 comes around, and uh, and you absolutely uh, did do that. You came back to South Point in 2019 after the, the year in between in Syracuse. Uh, and again, South Point Bowling Center, uh, you got the job done, this time in senior singles. Uh, just tell us about being back in that super senior. I'm sorry. Super and, senior. Uh, come back and, and tell us about uh, just your comfort level in that building with the Bowler's Journal, the OC, the, the senior shootout with Ron Moore, his event, uh, some great performances in that building. Uh, but to actually come back and, and win again, we still, have, we still have that trophy to present to you, uh, and we'll make sure that we take better care of it. But uh, tell us about being back at South Point and, and continuing that run of success. Sure. Uh, well, you know, first stop when you get, when you get into town is go up to the, the bowling center and see if you can get on the squad for, uh, for the bowler's journal. So we got there, we checked in the hotel, we went to the bowling center squad starts in 30 minutes or so. So, um, I signed up for it just to bowl the super senior singles first. And, uh, I think I shot 279 the first game. I remember my first practice shot. I, I played it kind of like I did two years before. And uh, the grapevine had said that they seemed a little tighter this year, um, that year, uh, than they did in 2017. So, um, but it, I said, well, you know, so I, I played the same, basically the same shot I did two years before with a little bit more aggressive ball, and it reacted pretty good in practice. So I started with it and uh, shot 279, and I think 230 something the next game or something like that. So I'm 100 over after two. Uh, and then I go to the next pair and, um, I think I left a two, eight, 10, uh, chopped a bucket and maybe a seven, and make a long story short, I had 55 in the fifth frame. Uh, but then I struck out for two Oh five. So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't remember what I did different, but I, I was getting pretty embarrassed there thinking I had 500 for two and I may not shoot a hundred the last game, but, uh, then I made an adjustment or something, shot two Oh the last game. I really did not expect that to last because, again, we usually go early for the for the Open Championships, but it held up the whole time. So, seven seventeen was the winning number. Two thousand dollars came your yeah. way after yeah. that, uh, and I'll make a deal with you. I will take personal care of the trophy before we head back to our next event. <laughs> uh, if you give me a heads up, send me a text when you're you're headed over to the you know to the Bowler's Journal, uh, so I can put on my sneakers, charge the cameras. <laughs> And so I can be ready to get over there because we know that you're going to have a performance again. So we want to be ready and get comfortable. That last video, the 300 actually was from Patrick. Uh, he sent that over uh, again, just because we're, we're next door, but not right. quite. Uh, so I want to be ready. I'll, I might just move the office for that week <laughs> over to the Bullard Journal for you guys. That's too much pressure then. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, some good news and some bad news then uh, again, um, you have proven that you enjoy South Point and the Bowling Center uh, and will be there in 2021, which is good news. Uh, again, you'll, you'll get your award and another opportunity. Uh, and then uh, we actually were headed to Houston in 2022. So a little bit bittersweet. Uh, there was going to be a brand new facility built uh, right by your house there, right there in the Houston area, pretty close. 
uh, and the lanes would have been in that facility. It would have been would have been awesome and a lot of excitement about being uh, in a new city and being in the, in the southwest. And um, and then COVID nineteen happens, and then the project doesn't come to fruition. So uh, won't be ready in time for the twenty twenty two Open Championships. So again, bittersweet. It would have been right down the road for you, but instead we're going back to South Point. So now you'll have back to back opportunities. Uh, to come visit us in Las Vegas. So uh, tell us about that roller coaster of emotions, uh, knowing that you could have been at the Bowler's Journal weekly, didn't have to <laughs> coincide with your PBA schedule during the week. You could have been there. You could have bowled all of your singles and doubles options that you had, uh, but you get to go to Las Vegas instead. Yeah. Well, it is South Point, so that's a bonus. You know, I, I, I've had some good things there. I will say that uh, – Probably the most disappointed person about the Houston thing is my brother because that would have been his 50th if they'd had the tournament this year and the Houston tournament the, that year. That would have been his 50th. And to have his 50th Open Championships in his hometown would have been pretty special. But but it's 2020, so things happen. So, uh, yeah, that would have been nice um, to, to have it here. Uh, hopefully, sooner or later, they'll be able to reschedule it in the Houston area. So hopefully that would – come to fruition. Uh, I never mind going to South Point. Like, like you say, I've, I've had some good tournaments there. So uh, a little bit of positive feeling, just, just going in. So I look forward to it. Well, we'll look forward to, to having you. We'll be ready for sure. And, uh, and you mentioned Paul's 50th coming up. He's got 47 in 44 for you. Um, just being that you've gotten to experience some of the things you have and some of the teammates you have, uh, what does that mean? Besides the fact that you've been doing this for a minute. What does it mean uh, from the, the sentimental side of things that uh, you're approaching 50 years at the Open Championships? Oh, well, the, the part of that means that, that I'm old and very forgetful, so I don't know how much I can remember about all this, but a lot of it is. I mean, I'm bold with, uh, with Dell Ballard one year in Albuquerque. He was on our team. We needed somebody on our team. So I, you know, I've got to bowl with my sons. I bowl with Bill Ollard. I bowl with uh, in the classic division, Steve Neff was on our team, Eddie Ressler, some great young players. We were the young King Louie team at the time. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, geez, I'd, I'd have a just a tough time. Billy Lillard, Bill Lillard's son, we used to bowl together uh, when he was younger. So bowled with him quite a bit. Um, like I said, Steve Wright, we've known forever. Just a lot of people that we've known forever, we've stayed in contact with, but we've always bowled. I mean, you know, uh, you just make lifetime friends through bowling and going to the open championships. Um, you always see people, uh, the people that work in the booths, you know, the people that work at the, the desk and the, uh, in y'all's offices and things like that. You see people you only see once a year, maybe, but, uh, the, the, the people that run the bowler's journal, they're, they're always very courteous and, and, uh, seem happy to see you. And, and it's, it's a lot of great emotions. Uh, can you anticipate what uh, what you might feel walking out there, taking the spotlight all to yourself uh, for that 50th? You, you'll have already watched, hopefully, Paul receive the honor. Uh, very nice of, uh, of you to let him have that moment uh, and then take yours a couple of years later. Uh, but, um, you know, for what that means to be such a, a significant part of history, knowing that all eyes are on you and, and you've done this, um, you know, it's not uh, it's not a $100,000 shot, but it, 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 it I'm sure means – so much in a different kind of way, as you, you described. Well, sure it does. Uh, I mean, 50 years of doing it, um, and it's been a lot of great time. I mean, there were a couple of really bad years that I bowled too, but 
Um, and, and there's still, uh, you know, hopefully I can still keep being competitive in it and keep shooting 1800s or 1900s or close to it. Uh, so I can have one of the highest averages, um, you know, in USBC history and especially for that time frame and stuff. So, um, there's, there's still some goals there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, 50, the holy cow, that's a long time. <laughs> now, looking back on, on all the decades, all the competition, the, the PBA events, the, the Open Championships, do you have a, a career highlight? Is there something, it, it might not even have to be a performance, but something that happened to you in the sport, just one thing that stands out uh, as the, the best moment of uh, your entire career in the sport of bowling? Sure. Uh, winning. Winning in Fresno, my first PBA tournament. Like I said, there was just nothing. I threw that strike and I said champion, and I'd never been able to say that before. So that was that was the moment that probably means the most to me, bowling-wise, yeah. We can definitely see, you know, when you brought that up earlier in the conversation, that there were some emotions with that. So we can definitely, uh, can definitely appreciate that moment for you. Uh, I got a similar question, but in a little bit – uh, a little bit different tone, I guess. This is a little bit more fun. Uh, you have a cool job where you get to travel to different bowling centers across the country, uh, you know, every week. Is there a bowling center? What is the best bowling center snack bar out there? Oh, you know, there's, uh, I, that's, that's not a fair question. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones. I will say that. Um, and you, it doesn't matter what bowling center you're in. You're not going to get a better meal than a bowling center cheeseburger. I mean, that's just, that's just a given, you know? So, uh, they, I thought about starting a franchise bowling center cheeseburgers or bowling alley cheeseburger or something. You can't go wrong with that. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, not answer that for, uh, it's, it's like a 22 way tie for first. How's that? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Just the cheeseburger, though. That's <laughs> well, now, now that we're all hungry and ready for lunch, uh, we're getting close to the end here of today's episode. Uh, but, Pete, now, again, you, we mentioned that uh, you're you're nearing 67 years old. It's right around the corner for you. Uh, you've been with the PBA now uh, as a competitor uh, and as a regional manager uh, for many decades. Um, what's the future look like for you, short-term, long-term? Uh, how much longer are you hoping to continue in your current role uh, or beside the, uh, the, the snack bar cheeseburgers uh, down the road for you. What's uh, what's on the horizon? Um, there's nothing definite yet. Uh, you know, the, the R word retirement has kind of entered my mind here and there. It's not in the immediate future or anything like that. Um, you know, I would like to bowl uh, the super senior and senior masters. Um, before I get too old and, and non-competitive. So I would like to be able to bowl those things. Um, it, I don't know. It, it just depends. It, I mean, there's there's some new things with uh, the PBA going on that, that could be very positive and all that uh, with the PBA and, and what it can offer the bowlers. So if that's a good thing, I'd, I'd like to be able to see some of that. But um you know, just uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. There's no need for me to retire. Um, but saying that, it's good that I'm the age where I am, where I have options if uh, if retirement does come into 
to play that it can it can happen so nothing in the definite immediate future or anything but uh, you know it is it is kind of entering the mind frame a little bit more than it used to my personal bucket list does include winning a, a pba 50 regional title it's still about eight and a half years away so i'm not quite ready to start practicing just yet uh, but it certainly wouldn't mean a lot if you're there to present that trophy uh, again almost a decade away so uh, so hang in there for me well, well, uh, Matt, I would be more than happy to present you with that trophy, but I, eight and a half years, I'd, I'll have to be a spectator to do it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, I'll let you know, and, and I'll buy you a cheeseburger as well. How about yeah. that? Unless I'm the runner-up guy, then maybe uh, I'm not too happy about it or something. So we'll have to see. Well, I appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate your time today, Aaron. Any final thoughts or questions for Mr. McCordick? Uh, Pete, a big thank you. I, I was actually going to get into that too. I was going to chastise Matt that now that you mentioned the R word, that it's time for Matt to start practicing again. <laughs> uh, so you can be there to hand him that trophy and you know present him that banner that uh, that I know is on his list. But uh, is is there any fun Matt Canizaro regional competition stories? Uh, you know, as we finish up, you know, any runs at three hundreds that uh, you know you may have turned the tables on Matt. No, <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> so. Perfect. See, Aaron, that's perfect. That's fine. Uh, Sorry, there, Matt. Actually, we're, uh, I'll admit to it. I'll own up. Uh, there's, there's actually two occasions, Pete, where, uh, where I did have the, the front nine uh, at a couple of regionals uh, not too long ago. And uh, one, for sure, you were behind me with the camera. And, uh, yeah. and I got the 10th one and went light on the 11th one, left a three pin. Uh, and I, I saw you smile, and uh, it was a kind of a payback smile, uh, which is fine. Um, it, it'll happen for me hopefully someday. I hope. I'm hope I'm there to film it or have it on my on video. It so, uh, but yeah, saying that he he got even was that before or after uh, a couple of years ago at the at the uh, opens I had the front ten. Yeah. It was probably after a total payback. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. I'll get another opportunity to get the, the new PBA website is up. Looks good. Yeah. Uh, I checked yeah. it out earlier. So uh, I'll get into the portal, maybe sign up for something. Uh, okay. Maybe my, my driver, Aaron Smith will get me there safely and, and keep an eye on things and coach me along the way. But uh, you never know when I might show up uh, at the next uh, non-member or non, uh, non-champions or, uh, or the doubles event in December is a whole lot of fun. So we'll see. Uh, but there. folks, we, uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in today. Some great stories from Pete McCordick. His career uh, goes way back to some successful days on the PBA Tour uh, and a big role in PBA Regional Competition here in the Southwest. So we appreciate uh, all the hard work and all the memories there. And, of course, annually at the USBC Open Championships and Bowler's Journal Championships, we'll have a special trophy presentation for him uh, in 2021 when we get back to South Point. Uh, looking forward to that. We'll take good care of that trophy for you, Pete. Uh, everybody else, uh, hopefully you'll join us again here on Bold TV next week. We've got 2011 USBC Masters champ Tom Hess joining us for the Inside the OC podcast. Uh, Aaron Smith and Jason Thomas will have the PWBA podcast on Monday with Pamela Alvarez uh, to talk about uh, all the great things she's been up to. Uh, we'll continue our run with the greatest seasons in women's bowling. Uh, that'll be coming up tomorrow and again next Friday. So we're getting close to that number one. So remember to check that out. Uh, but as far as inside the OC and this week's show, that is going to do it again for Pete McCordick and Aaron Smith. My name is Matt Canizaro, folks. That's the news for now. 
We'll see you on the lanes. Thanks, guys.